Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Oh, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate his ministry and uh, all that he did. Green light came back on. Okay. All right. So we appreciate him. We appreciate you. So thankful that you're here. And uh, I was 16. <laughs> I can't believe it. That's pretty, that's too young. I, I can tell you that right now. But um, we did have a love for the Lord. There was a couple of us fellas, uh, Nathan Hurst and I, uh, we did feel a call of the Lord on our lives. And what that meant was we felt that the Lord wanted us to talk about the gospel. That's what that meant. And so we did. We sang. We had the group. We sang all over the place and preached all over the place. And I ended up going back east and was busy all over the place. Uh, many churches, many people. Thousands, thank you, thousands and thousands of people got the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and found salvation. Um, and people have been helped. People have been healed. And uh, it's, it's been a wonderful time, a good time. Um, today, I want to talk to you about the working of the Lord on you and me. How we get here, and my subject is in the potter's hands, in the potter's hands. Isaiah 64 and 8, I'm going to read this and let you be seated, and then I have some text to read just so we set a foundation of how the Lord works in lives and with our response to the Lord. And Isaiah wrote this in the, we, what we have now, the eighth verse. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. And you, our potter. And we all are the work of your hand. We are the work of your hand. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for every soul that is hearing this today. We pray that you bless them. Let them leave enriched and blessed from this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. You know, a scripture came to me quickly, and this is just not even part of the scriptures that I have. Moses, the Old Testament tells us, met the Lord 
there was a burning bush in the desert, and that part of the desert of Midian was in Arabia, what we call Arabia, and they called it Midian. And there's not a lot of trees out there that we see now. There could have been then. But he saw one on fire. A bush was on fire. And when he went, there was a voice that spoke to him out of the fire of the burning bush. And during that, if you read about that, you remember reading, perhaps, or maybe you, you haven't read that portion, but in that portion of Scripture, Moses asked the Lord. He, he, Moses had some problems with physically with his body. And he asked the Lord, he said, you know, since you've talked to me out of this bush, you haven't healed me. I'm just the same way I was with my affliction. I have some afflictions, and you haven't healed me. And the Lord said, who made you? I made you this way. And we wonder sometimes in our struggle in life, coming to terms. People nowadays are coming to terms with who they are. Not only who they are, we've always wondered that. Who am I? Who am I? But what they are, right? We are clay. I can, solve, I can answer that. We are clay, and God is the master potter. And we are in a process and that process is what we're going to talk about today. Now, I'm going to tie a few things together, so if you'd be patient with me, I'm going to get to a point that's going to apply to you so good that will help you. But right now, we're going to cover a few, some groundwork, some foundation here. Matthew 27 it says now, this is after they had taken Jesus from, at night from the Garden of Gethsemane across the Kidron Valley in this deep, deep valley right down. It's a deep valley right down from Jerusalem. And this, through this valley, they brought him up to Caiaphas' house and Annas' house, and they kept him overnight, and they led him out to be crucified the next morning. Okay? And I just covered a bunch of stuff. We know the story. He was innocent. See, uh, Pilate said he was innocent, but they said crucify him. Now that night before, Judas had left the setter dinner. And that setter dinner is when they would take a lamb and they, would, they had already uh, sacrificed the lamb at Passover and they took the meat and brought it back, and they would have a dinner, and they would eat the lamb. And they would have bread and meat and some bitter herbs, and they would dip the bread in the sop, which was, which was a bowl of, of liquid, which would be something yummy that you would want to dip the bread in or the meat in. And you would bring it to your mouth and eat it. And one of the disciples had asked him, Jesus said, someone here is going to betray me. And one of the disciples said, who is it, Lord? And he said, the one with whom I dipped the sop is going to betray me. And he 
he gave, and he said, he took the sop and he gave it, after he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas. And Judas took it, and Jesus said to him, what you have to do, go do it quickly. And at that time, the scripture says, Satan, having entered the heart of Judas, he went out. And he went to the chief priests, and he sold the information of where Jesus would be to the chief priests and the rulers of that day, the Jews. And he sold him for 20 pieces, 26 pieces of silver. I'm sorry, 30 pieces of silver. So here's the story. Now the morning came. They've already got Jesus heading down to Golgotha with the cross. They've beaten him. All the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had condemned, that he had been condemned, Judas felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? You see to it yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary. And you could hear the clinging of the coins on the stone floor. And Judas left, and he went away, and he committed suicide, and he hanged himself. The first thing I want, to, want you to notice here, when Judas felt remorse, who he went to and who he didn't go to. He had... He probably didn't have a night's sleep. He probably tossed and turned. He probably felt remorse for a long time. But yet, it wasn't Jesus he went to to say, I'm so sorry. It was to the, the, the ones whom he betrayed him to. That's who he went to. He sought out those people thinking they would help him, but they couldn't help him. So there was a flaw, not only in the flaw that he got the idea he could betray the Lord, but the idea that he wouldn't go to the Lord with his mistake, his problem. You see, we all got mistakes. We've all got problems. We've all done stuff we got feel remorse. We all feel that inside of us at one time or another. But it's who we take it to. That's a big lesson. That's a big lesson here. If we learn that we can come to the Lord and bring it to the Lord, that's, that's going to put you ahead of all the rest of the people. You, you see, that's going to put us way ahead. 
Because when we come to the Lord, what we're going to find, like the song said, we're going to find mercy so high. We're going to find love. We're going to find compassion. We're going to find that he does care about us. You know why? Because he's the master potter, and we're a work on the wheel. He wasn't finished with any of the apostles at this time. They still had a lot that he had to do with them. So Judas threw the silver down, and with the money, they bought the potter's field. Oddly enough, the potter's field was a place where they would take uh, the pottery that was no good and broken, and they would cast it in this field. It was a field of Ben Hinnom, the son of Hinnom. This was the place that was a garbage dump, basically. It was down the hill. Right now, you've got a freeway going through there. And my wife and I stood there in Jerusalem and watched the freeway of, of Ben Hinnom. You know? Ben Hinnom was... To, in metaphoric sense in the Old Testament, hell, because there was always a fire, always burning the refuse from the city. I mean, that's how I remember, Brother Grant, you remember as kids growing up, there was a dump back behind the hills there at past Olympia, uh, out Olympia, and there was a dump, and there was always a fire burning at the dump, and you, it was a happy day when the smoke wasn't coming your way because it was stinky. It wasn't good, right? You remember that smell. I remember that smell. There's big rats running around that dump. It was, it was a place if you had to haul garbage, you could haul garbage out there, and they'd take it, and you could burn your garbage right out there, and that's the way they used to deal with it. Well, that's the way they dealt with it here. And they took that money that Judas had cast in there, and they bought a potter's field, a burial, a burial place for strangers. Oddly enough, strangers to God. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day, in Matthew's day. Then they took that, which was spoken through the prophet Zechariah, and the prophet said they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price, that great price, of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field, just as the Lord directed him. In Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and I will speak to you when you get to the potter's house. My words will come to you. So he got up out of his cave. Jeremiah lived in a cave. He went down to the potter's house, and there he was, the potter, making something on the wheel. And he watched the potter. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled or marred in the hand of the potter. So he destroyed it, and he remade it. Into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. 
Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, Am I not able, O house of Israel, to deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord. We are made of clay, the scripture says. In Job, it says, your hands have shaped me and made me, but you destroy me completely, just like the potter. In Job 10 and 9, it says, remember, you have made me as with the clay, and you will return me to dust. We are clay. And I might say some good-looking clay, right? Wonderful clay with good voices, and, and you do wonderful things. But... The Lord, you're still a work on the potter's wheel. You're still a work on the potter's wheel. So the potter, when choosing the clay for a vessel, the potter seeks to find clay from lakes and ponds and streams or riverbanks where the water stands. That's how you tell if there's clay. It holds water. And where the water is standing, to be sure, there's clay beneath. Can you hit the first JPEG? So the characteristics of the clay, some clay is too sandy. You say, well, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, I do good things, and I'm, I'm pretty good. But to the eyes of the potter, he's looking for a character. He's looking for some things that we don't see. Because as the clay, we think, man, I got it going on. I'm good. I'm down, I'm right, you know. Man, I'm just real good, right? But the potter says, okay, some clay's too sandy and some clay is too sticky. When the potter looks for good clay, the potter tests the clay so that he'll take it and he'll roll it between his fingers like you see here. The first picture. The first picture is he rolls it between his fingers. And that clay right there is not good clay. You see, that clay broke. That clay broke because it has too much sand in it. Its mixture isn't just right. So that has to be fixed. He has to add more fine fines in it, more clay in it, and less sand. So he'll work, and he'll work those grains out in the next picture until that clay is able to be wrapped around his finger, his finger, to do what he wants to do with the clay. You see where he's headed? He's headed to get us to do what he wants to do. He's the master potter. If the clay is too sticky, it'll cling to the potter's hands too much and be too hard to work with. And sticky clay will have severe drying. You say, sticky clay, well, we want to stick to the Lord, yeah? Well, no, that's not the point here. The point here is sticky clay, when it dries out, will crack. And you can't put any liquid in it because it'll crack and the liquid will leak out. So the sticky clay's not good either. You see, the potter has, he's, he's looking for all of these these things in the clay that are super important, that if, if you don't know these things, like the potter knows, right? And you, you say, well, you know, 
This is a hard trial I'm going through. This is some tough stuff I'm going through. It just isn't fair. It just isn't right that, that I'm having to go through this. And these people treated me that way. And these people treated me this way. And, and you know, they hurt my feelings. And the potter is trying to mold you and to shape you that he can get you to be flexible. He can get you to bend. He can get you to take a little bit of flexibility. Right? That's what he's doing. So usable clay, once the potter finds usable clay, there is a work to do before it can be used to make that clay into a useful vessel. There's two main ways to process native clays. There's a dry process and a wet process. Next slide. So we have clay. Both of those are clay. The first is powder. Sometimes the events of life, sometimes health, sometimes family, sometimes other people, Sometimes jobs, sometimes it's the economy. It seems to grind us to a powder where we feel like we have no form. We have no substance. We don't have anything that we can be useful for. But in God's plan, you're just where he wants you to be. You're in the process. You're in the process. I'm in the process. I've been, somebody said to me one time, you've been through a lot. I said, I sure have. He said, he was an old timer too, man. He's dead, long gone by now. He'd be over 100 years old. There's two ways to process native clays. The dry process is the process where the clay is dried fully, then ground to powder then ground to powder. This is what the potter does. He dries us out, puts us in a desert place, and grinds us to powder till, till where we have no moisture within ourselves. It seems like there's no joy. We've cried every last tear. We have nothing left within ourselves. And sometimes we're at that place. Then what he'll do is he will mix it with sand, you do need sand, but only 12 to 25%. And depending on the natural quality of the clay, he will begin tempering the clay to help the clay and add water to the clay through this tempering process. And when he adds the water, the clay will begin to be pliable again like the lump. And that's the lump of clay. And sometimes we're in that process where we're just a lump in God's hands. And you say, am I done yet? Hurry up, God. Well, it's a process. God has us in a process of tempering. The wet process is where he submerges us in water. He submerges us in tears sometimes. He submerges us in a place where we have to get totally underwater, totally underwater to where God could have his perfect work in us. So he can, at this stage, he can take chunks out that are hard, chunks that are like rocks and hardened pieces of clay that will never 
be molded in the master's hand. He can't use it for his desired purpose because it's not pliable. He, they won't let him shape them. It's that quality of character in me that refuses to let the master push and temper and stretch and pull out of me that rebellious streak I got in me or that stubbornness I got in me and pull it out so he could have a good vessel. He's going to take that stuff and discard it. Right? That's what the potter does. If there are a lot of impurities in the clay, there's too many. The clay goes through a screening process and a soaking process. And the, that may need to be repeated a lot of times. I say, Lord, just have your will. Just have your way. Because the screening process, I just don't want to go through screening process my whole life, right? I just don't want to go through this process over and over and over. It's like the children of Israel. You're going to go around the mountain again and again, folks. You know, you're just stubborn. You don't get it. You're not complying. You're not going with the, you're not playing. You're not working with me here. I'm trying to help you. You're not working with, and then the potter can't have a vessel that he could put anything in that's useful. That's the key, is that we become useful to the potter. Useful to him. Yeah, but I want. Jesus said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my kingdom come. My will be done. Yeah, but I want. That's that peace that the potter has to dislodge from the lump. That's that peace the potter has to pry out. Maybe, maybe it's stuck in there so hard. He's got to get a tool to take that, that stone out of that clay because it's so deeply ingrained in the clay. And he's got to pull that big lump out to where the clay is smooth and usable. You think the clay's done? He puts it on the wheel. Let's go to the next slide. You see there, the rejected pieces are laying at the potter's house. There at the potter's house, you see some vessels that are made. And this is in the Middle East. This, the pieces that are laying down there are the pieces that are rejected. Can't use them. Wanted to use them, but they couldn't make a beautiful vessel. They couldn't make the vessels you see in the foreground, the right and the left. But after the potter gets that clay the way he thinks, gets us the way he thinks, he puts us on the wheel and then spins us around and around and around and around. You say, man, I've been this way, through this the path before. Yes, you have. You got to go a few more times and he'll spin it and he'll deform it and he'll push his mark and imprint in it. His finger marks will be upon the clay. It's his finger marks that will be upon it. It's the mark of the potter. It's the mark of the master that is touching this clay now. He'll form it. 
he'll shape it. And then when he's done with it, he'll take that clay and you'll say, oh, he's done. No, he's not done. The potter will create a bed of coals and then place the pottery over the coals and stack firewood over the clay vessel. This ensures that a good firing temperature is reached because you think you're done through the pushing and the pulling and the pulling out of stuff that shouldn't be there. And how he does this, he does this through his word. He does this through his teaching and preached word. He does this through his spirit that deals with us. And then he puts us in the fire. He needs to fire the clay because something happens. This will in, ensure that the fire will burn away all of the bad ingredients that are in the clay. The firing process, why do I got to go through the fire? The firing is the process of bringing clay and glazes up to high temperature. Say 120? No, no, no. 180? Like a cup of coffee? No, 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 no. High temperature. 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Hot. He'll do this how many times? More than once. He'll do it twice. He'll fire that clay up. He'll turn up the heat, and he'll let the fire rage. The aim is to heat the object to the point that the clay and the glazes are mature. That is, when they've reached their optimal level of melting, the clay actually melts and fuses together. To the human eye, pots and other clay objects don't look melted. The melting that occurs is in the hardness of the clay, and it's on a molecular level. And when the clay is melted through the fire, it fuses together through that high temperature, through the fire, and becomes extremely hard and hardened. This is the process that we don't want to fight God on. We don't want to push back on. We don't want to say, hey, it's too hard. We want to say, I know that at the end, I'm going to have a shine. I'm going to have a glaze. And this is going to make me tough. This is going to make me hard. This is going to make me stand up. And I'm going to be good when I'm through the fire. That second fire causes such a remarkable change that it completes the transformation of the pot from a soft, fragile substance into a rock hard impervious to water and time. We was walking in Caesarea, Israel. In Caesarea, they had dug down about five feet and they found clay shards from the time of Jesus because they had been fired. They had went through the process. You see, they, they even find 
pieces of pottery. They've even found pieces of pottery from Sumeria, which was the time of Abraham, which is shortly after the flood, a long time ago, because they went through the process. So if we're ever going to endure, we have to go through all these processes. So then we come to God, you're the potter. All of this life that has happened to me, you look at me today, you don't know what I've been through. You look at Pastor, he's told you a little bit of what he's been through, but not all of it. And you look at what the design, look how handsome he is. Look where, <laughs> look where God brought him. I was there. He was there. The potter has a design in mind for you, for that lump of clay. Any imperfection that causes cracking or weakness in the clay has to be removed. It has to. The deeds of the flesh are evident. And Paul writes about these, sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, adultery, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, carousing, all these things. I warned you, just as I forewarned you, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the weaknesses in the pottery. That's, all, that's what these are. They make it where I can't hold what God wants to put his precious spirit into. This body, this temple. These imperfections must be removed by the process of sifting and screening and pressure and deformity, not conformity. Tempering and firing just as the potter's clay. I've got to go. You've got to go. We've all got to go through the process. The clay must have some favorable consistency when mixed or tempered so that it could be elastic and impressionable and hold its shape through whatever comes at it. We must accept the whole word of God and not the... Uh, we must accept the whole word of God as a part of the process and the work of prayer in the spirit that produces that great change in us. Things that push our comfort zone, things that we don't want, things that kind of, kind of are uncomfortable for us may be the hand of God pushing that clay into the desired shape. Can we say to the potter, hey, hey, why are you making me like this? No. It's thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The clay must submit to the change in shape and formation by the potter's hand. It'd really be weird if you're working on a lump of clay and the clay start talking to you, right? Hey, you're not doing it right. But that's what we do to God. Like, hey, 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 whoa, 
That's a little too much. I'm hurting here. Can't you see? If the clay does not yield, if the clay does not yield to the pressure placed upon it by the potter's hand and the wheel, the lump will be destroyed and remade into something usable. The master potter will press and squeeze and pull and push. Don't we have a great God? I mean, he's, it's really the process. I've learned this process. I'm still in this process. I still, I have walked my living room in the middle of the night, not screaming out loud, where my wife, I'd wake my sweet wife up. But I have said, Lord, what is going on? What? God, help me. Right? Because I don't want to be like Judas, a castaway, where that piece of clay couldn't be used. That piece of clay was so intent on doing his own thing that he never could come back to the master and say, look, it hurts in the place I'm in. The Lord says, yeah, I know. I know it hurts. But you're going to be beautiful when it's over. <laughs> if we're not pliable in his hands, we'll break. If we're not pliable in his hands, we'll break. We'll become useless. We're useless to the potter if we refuse to allow his word to come into our ears and into our heart and our lives and to affect that change that he needs upon the lump of clay. If I don't listen to it, I don't allow it to make a change in here. I don't allow the fire of it to come and fire my soul and to melt me down where I come to an altar and I can cry and shed tears and say, this, this is tough, this is hard, Lord. And he comes and he soothes me with his spirit. And he says, you're going to make it. You're beautiful. You're looking good. You see, the potter's got a design in mind. He's, he's looking at what you're going to become. You're looking at the stage that you feel that you're in right now. So trials are good. Pressure is good. It's all a part of his plan to make us better. Even pro baseball players, pro NFL players. I had a friend went to school with in uh, economics. <clears throat> he pitched World Series for the Phillies. I think it was 82. Larry Christensen. And he would talk about the pain that he went through. They had seven surgeries on his elbow. Like his scar was like an inch wide. How many times they had to go in, he was a left-hander. And they had to go in and repair those tendons because he literally threw his arm separated from the upper arm. You, throw, you, you gotta throw hard. You gotta throw fast. And you gotta throw two inches on each side of that plate. That's the goal. Not down the middle. Two inches on each side is what they want. And uh, 
Pete Rose came up to him after the game and said, I can't, because he was having to hold his glove up to push, to lift his arm so that he could throw another ball. That's how much he hurt. But in the kingdom of God, we're not throwing strikes. In the kingdom of God, this is for keeps for eternity. And what we allow God to do with us now is going to be an eternal thing. We think in terms of our life, which is really short. If you could live 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, 100 years is a short span of time. I'm 63. Sometimes when I think I'm 25, I do things I shouldn't do. My body reminds me, you've already been fired through the clay process. You can't stretch anymore. <laughs> and I suffer. It's that process God takes us through that we have to look in the long game. Look at the long game. Yeah, it might be a little tough today. It might be a series of tough events to get us to where God wants us to go to. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. I drive down the highway, and I look at beaver bark. I look at all the... How many ever looked at beaver bark there? You ever look at all those pots? They put those pots out there because you, you, they know people love to see those pots. They're putting them out there on purpose. Those are like wanting to steer you over and steer you in. You see the green and the red and the blue, and they're just shiny, and they're beautiful. And man, they probably got a plant that would look good in that one and in this one. And my wife and I have to keep ourselves from going there because we'd go broke and bankrupt if we, you know, we just buy and plant and buy and plant and buy and plant. And we did that in Texas and ended up with the Garden of Eden. God is working on us. And what he needs is willing people that are willing to allow him to take them through a process. You say, well, mine seems like it's worse than everybody else's. You know, the best thing for me to do is keep my eyes on him and not on them. Right? Keep your eyes on him, not on them. Quit looking at them. You know, the problem with the world nowadays is they look at them, and they're not looking at him. You look at them, man, you got all kind of problems out there. You look at him, he's the author and perfecter of the faith. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that's going to judge us in the end. We must understand that all of this process is not punishment. It's not punishment. It's preparation. How many have ever, ever been in training? You ever trained? Is it easy? It's tough, isn't it? It pushes your limits, doesn't it? It pushes you out of your comfort zone. 
And it's day after day after day after day until you finally get it right, until you finally can do it better, until you finally can make it well done. And at the end of the day, at the end of my life, when he says, well done, it doesn't mean that I haven't done well. It means I've done well. And I want to hear that. You know, if I haven't done well, he's not going to say, well done. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's designing you to carry his valuable spirit to the thirsty so that they can quench their thirst. And he can't do it if you're weak. He can't do it if you've got holes in your, in your vessel. If your vessel's got these lumps of rebellion and these hard pieces that he can't work with. He's got to have a good vessel that's fired and that's, that's perfect and that can hold his spirit. He's designed you for good and not for evil. He's designed you for good and not for evil. Don't put evil in, the, don't put evil in a good vessel. His design is not your plan or your way. So you must trust the skillful hand of the potter. You must trust the skillful hand of the potter that he's building you the way he wants you to be. Trust his plans, not your pains. Write that down. Trust his plans, not your pain. Your pain doesn't mean anything. Trust his plan, not your pain. Let the potter's way be your way and your delight. Isaiah 45, he said, Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. A piece of pottery among other earthenware, pottery pieces, pottery pieces. Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Or the thing you're making say, he's got no hands. That's what Isaiah said in 45 and 9. Will the clay say, he's got no hands. He's not doing a good job with me. The one from beginning to end, he knows all things. He's seen it time after time. He knows what I need. He knows where I need to be. God knows you're here for a reason. There's a purpose that God brought you here. There's a purpose that God has in your life. And yeah, there may be a little uncomfortable. There may be a little stretch, but God's wanting to do something in us. Let's yield to him and let him have his will. Would you stand? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to our hearts that, Lord, every one of us has a place in our life that we can give to you. Every one of us has a place that you've been working on for a long time. You've been patient with us, Lord, and thank you for that. You've been kind to us, Lord. We don't even deserve it. You've been loving to us and full of grace, and we're not worthy of you gave yourself for us. So that we could be like you. 
and in this process. Some of it, Lord, is hard. Some of it's difficult. And we're asking you today to help us. To help us endure it. Help us to endure it and understand, Lord, that there's a perfect work you're working out in our lives. That there's a perfect work. That there's something in us, oh Lord, that you're just about ready to turn into a glorious, glorious thing. There's something in us that we're just about ready to turn into a wonderful, beautiful thing. And Lord, if we mess it up, oh Lord, we're messing up a wonderful work of the potter that the potter is trying to do. And I pray right now, Lord, that you speak to every heart to every life in this place and to every soul. I'm going to ask you to come down here and talk to the Lord about your vessel and talk to the Lord about working on you. Talk to him about it. Why do I want you to come down here? Look, he came all the way from heaven and grabbed a cross, put it on his shoulder and let him nail him to it. At least we could walk down here. Just a simple thing. And you could ask him, Lord, can you help me? Help me go through this process. Help me make it. Oh, Master Potter, touch me. Speak to me. Deal with my heart and my life. Help me be what you want me to be. It's okay to weep. It's okay to cry. That's part of the process. It's okay. The Lord's speaking to us. He's calling upon us. There's no judgment here. There's nobody judging anybody here. We're all a piece of potter, a clay on the potter's wheel. Oh, God, help us. Thank you, Lord. I believe he's here in every, every prayer. I believe he's hearing us. I believe he's hearing everyone. I believe he's taking note. He knows where you're at. He knows. He's speaking to you right now. He's calling you. It's just, just be patient with it. Come on. Be patient with it. Lord, I need you. I need you to help me, Lord. I need you to help me, Lord. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard, Lord. But I need you to help me through it. He said, I'll be a father and a mother to you. I'll stick closer to you. He said, I'll lead and guide you in the day and the night. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll lead you and help you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you help. He wants to give you hope. And that's what he's doing today. He's letting you know that that process that you're in is hope. It's all about hope. It's not about punishment. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. It's all about bringing you near to him. It's all about making you more like him. Getting you ready for that place where the gates are pearl and the streets are gold. He's, he wants you to cry out to him and to call upon him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for helping me, Lord. Thank you, God, for guiding me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to